All right, this is Project Herpetoculture Podcast, episode 47. I'm your host, Roy Arthur Blodgett, joined by Mr. Philip Leitz of Arids Only, as always. And we've got a great show today. We're going to do some recapping, a bit of a solo show. Um, but before we do, I want to acknowledge our sponsors. So we have Custom Reptile Habitats. They're uh, makers of premium PVC reptile enclosures. And we have an affiliate link for them posted in our description and bio. If you make a purchase through that link, we um, will receive a small commission at no additional cost to you. And that really helps us out. We also have Cold-Blooded Caffeine and their roasters of premium coffee that donate a small percentage uh, from each bag of coffee sold to conservation in coffee growing regions. Um, we have a discount code, um, Project Herp. For 10% off. And um, yeah, check them out. They make delicious coffee. And then lastly, we have Redline Shipping. For all your reptile shipping needs, check them out for your labels and supplies. I also want to give a shout out to Dylan and the Animals at Home Network for hosting us as always. There go. And to Charlie. Yeah. And to Charlie for um, yeah, keeping us on the tracks, editing our audio, and helping to keep um, this intelligible for our listeners as best we can with our antiquated audio equipment. So with all of that out of the way, I'm going to pass it over to Phil to get the ball rolling. All right. What's up? Um, yeah. So thanks, Roy. Um, I think, I think uh, I kind of want to start by saying a couple of things. The, the first is I've been thinking a lot lately about how lucky we are to be able to even do this and to be able to even put the show together. And the fact that we have so many people, number one, that, I mean, the fact that we have sponsors to the day, to this day yeah. blows, blows my mind. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that part's, that part's pretty damn wild. Um, but also yeah. the fact, the fact that we have the support of Dylan and um, the support of, uh, of Charlie to, to sit and edit, edit our audio for us and make it. So this thing doesn't look like a jumbled piece of garbage. Like, <laughs> like it sometimes can, I'm sure. So, I mean, that feels really good. Um, I know one of the things we wanted to talk about today, because I think this came up in our, I think it came up in our conversation with Mariah, didn't it? The like, sort of like disaster preparation and, and um, yeah. like pow power outage prep and stuff and things like this. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it, I, yeah. I think it's a really good thing to sort of, so, to sort of touch base on, you know, cause we, we have a, um, here, here in, in Colorado, I'm, I have to be certified by PACFA, um, which is a pet, pet, anim, pet and animal care facilities act, or, or, or I, sometimes I mess up that acronym, but, um, mm -hmm. and one of the things that I have to have in, in, uh, in sort of in a, to be in accordance with all their regulations and whatnot is I have to have a contingency plan. Um, so I have a, I just have a Google doc on which I write up all the, um, you know, and, and I, I, I modify it all the time, either if, you know, if something changes about the way I'm keeping things together here, or if I decide I'm going to try a new, uh, you know, piece of, you know, like a new kind of interference on a, on a, on a specific problem or, or, or if, um, you know, say if I were to like upgrade my, uh, you know, like my heating system or something, you know, something like that, something about my contingency plan would, would change. 
But um, for yeah. the most, or if I think of a new natural disaster, one that I never thought of, like, oh yeah, what would I do if a mudslide hit the shop? You know, I mean, it's not really, <laughs> it's not really a problem here, but like, you know what I'm saying? And it's just sort of something that'll yeah. pop into my mind and I'll be like, all right, hey, it's time to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it's kind of fun um, because on the one hand, it's the kind of thing that you you really hope you never have to actually execute. You know, you're like- yeah. Man, ah, God, like when you actually sit down and spend time, you know, like going through the motions about like, what would you do in the event that a tornado hit or the, or like a severe flooding event or, um, uh, some crazy for me, the thing that the primary thing that I'm always thinking about is like power outage during a snowstorm. That's the primary Mm -hmm. thing here. That's like the biggest worry for me, um, I guess fire could happen too, but it's pretty rare in this part of the, this part of the state just doesn't really get fires in the same way. Um, Cause there's yeah. probably, not, probably not enough vegetation around <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. You know, but you know, so I have all kinds of bizarre things that I have in, in my head, whether it's, or I mean, not in my head rather, but in that contingency plan, um, whether it's okay. You know, I have uh, alarms in place in the event that anything happens here at the shop and the power goes out. So I get notified of power Mm -hmm. outages, right? Then I have, okay, I have a timer that basically starts. Like sometimes power outages just happen and small ones Mm -hmm. are not a big deal. If it's out for 30 minutes, an hour, even in the middle of winter, that's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. It's going to take, it's Mm -hmm. going to take a little while for the temperature to drop in this space sufficiently for it to be a problem. Right. Right. Then if the power doesn't go on, you know, before that, before that, uh, or after, until, you know, if the, if that timer runs out and the power is still not on, I have to go into action because I can't assume that everything's going to be just fine. I have to sort of operate from the <coughs> worst case scenario mindset because there's so many, there's so many animals here. The risk is so great, um, that it's, you know, you can't really afford any kind of possible, uh, slip in, 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 or lapse of, of, uh, judgment or preparation. So, mm-hmm. um, one, you know, I have like one plan set in place where it's like, okay, the power goes out and it's, and it's, it's past that time. <laughs> Sorry. I got like a little dry spot in my throat. Um, mm-hmm. then I have a set of large, uh, bins that I have in the storage space up above the office that are, insulated bins, uh, styrofoam insulated bins, like basically just big coolers that you get from, um, mm-hmm. you know, like Walmart or whatever. And I have a whole mess of snake bags that I would yep. just simply go through bag, every single animal, put them in the coolers, get them in my car and then turn the heater on. Right. Unless, yep. Uh, yep. uh, or, or wherever it is, right. If I have to take them somewhere, I can take them to my home and they can stay there for several days. Um, if, if, if the worst case scenario happens, you know, um, but it's, again, it's sort of like an evolving document. And then I think it's, it's mm-hmm. not even, it, it, there's all kinds of things you need to have contingency for, right? Like for, okay. So <clears throat> I know that this is a little bit near and dear to your heart at the moment, Roy, because of the power outage topic, because this just happened to you. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give you the space to chat about that. Um, yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, there's other, other things too. One is that I think about all the time is like, you know, what happens when you get 
pests in your space. So I get mice in here all the time, right? And it might not seem like a big deal, but mice are a problem, right? Because they can they can either they're either going to eat through the food containers that you have set out, you know, to feed the animals because you're storing food all the time. They're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna get get into the enclosures, potentially spread some kind of disease in there. I mean, it, it's it's not a high likelihood, but it's a possibility. It's something you gotta 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 consider. Um, you know, I think quarantine is it like that is a part is sort of a contingency plan in some regard, like ensuring that you don't bring animals mm-hmm. in to your space that are uh, going to bring pathogens or or some kind of problem in for you to deal with. Um, you know, I'll I'll be straight up and upfront about it here and now. I just recently had a mite outbreak here at my place, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know how it happened. Like it just I you know I I have a I have a quarantine program. I have. Um, uh, uh, I have a, uh, 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 like a pretty clear method to the way I do things. And, um, I've definitely had, I've, I've had stuff like that happen before, but it's been a very long time. It's been, mm-hmm. fuck, I don't know, 10 years or something since the last time I had to really make a big, yeah. some kind of big haul. And in this case, it wasn't even that big of a deal. Like it was, I found it on just a couple of animals. And then I just went through, treated everybody, cleaned everything, treated everything, you know, just did the whole run through, which is a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me, um, but it's one of those things where it's like, it happens, you know, like these, these kind of Mm -hmm. things, they occasionally happen to people. And I think most people don't talk about it. Most people just kind of want to like, Oh "Oh, yeah. They're like never going to talk. They're never going to tell anybody that it's a thing that it happens because it could look bad on, you could like reflect poorly on you, but I don't give a shit. I know for, I know for a fact that happens to everyone. There is no such thing as a pristine, perfect, never had a problem facility space operation. That's not how it works with living creatures. Right. Yeah. Um, So I, I, I mean, this is just a topic. I mean, it's probably, you know, for me, it's a little cathartic just to kind of talk about it and get it out. So this is like a little bit of a, a little bit of a therapy session, but um, before I say too much more, I want to give you the chance to kind of like vent about the, uh, the power outage stuff that just happened with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, so as I've shared on the podcast before, and obviously in private correspondence with you, um, you know, I've been, in the process of kind of moving and mm-hmm. this ongoing thing of my partner and I bought land last year. And for the last, you know, year um, I've been basically commuting to take care of my reptiles while building some, building out some sheds here on our land that I could move the animals into. Mm. And um, I just recently within the past two weeks was able to move all the animals over. Finally, have the interiors of the sheds are finished. And, um, you know, it's been a huge process and I've, of of course, throughout the process, I've been thinking a lot about, yeah, contingency plans, emergency protocol, Mm -hmm. all of that, because, um, you know, where I live, there's very high wildfire risk. Um, Mm -hmm. that's obviously a major issue in most of the Western States in California, especially. And, um, on top of that, there's pretty extreme heat here in the summer. The winters are typically mild, especially in comparison to like where you are. Mm-hmm. Although this past winter, we had a pretty unusual amount of snow here. We had about a foot of snow, which has literally never happened in Oof. recorded history here. Mm-hmm. This last winter, it's our, our first winter here. So um, 
but you know, regularly like this, this week, it's been above a hundred every single day and up to 110, you know, in the past seven days here. And, um, especially when there's any sort of like, uh, windy weather, anything like that, uh, it's pretty common for the utility company here, which is a big monopoly, um, PG and E, um, mm-hmm. to basically just cut power, um, cut power if there's, if there's high wind and stuff like that, because they're, they're concerned about, um, power lines coming down and starting fires, which has been one totally. of the major causes of wildfire here in the last 10 years. Right. Um, and so obviously when you have 110 degree heat and you lose power, you lose air conditioning and all that. And so with all of that in mind, I've been thinking a lot about, okay, what can I do in terms of just like making the systems as redundant as possible um, with preparedness here. And part of that is like the actual structures themselves, insulating them as well as I can. So mm-hmm. I insulated the interiors as well as I could. And I also have plans. The next stage on that building project is actually going to be um, insulating the exteriors of the sheds with a rigid foam and, and the roof of the shed with a rigid foam and re-roofing and mm-hmm. um, re-siding the sheds so that they're like essentially double, double thick insulation yeah. um, to, to both uh, protect from the heat and help keep that cool once from the air conditioners I've, I've many splits installed in each of the buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the power does go out, it'll retain some of that cool for a little while before it heats up. Yeah. Um, so, um, on top of that, you know, I have, um, the other, the other big thing is, is standby power, mm. you know, and, and other power systems. And so the, my, my long-term goal here is, um, to invest in a solar system, but, um, of course that's, that's not a, um, inexpensive endeavor in any way, even with financing, it's still pretty, pretty pricey to get a solar system set up, but, um, oh, yeah. in the interim space, my plan is to have, um, a transfer switch and a generator to at least be able to power the circuits that run the, um, the mini splits, the, the air conditioning temperature control systems in each building, um, just to ensure that the, at least the the ambient essentially baseline temperatures are under control in the event of a power outage. So um, I have I have the generator and everything, but I still I'm, the next my next purchase is essentially a transfer switch to get that that system mm-hmm. in place. Where if we do lose power, I just literally go flip a switch, and those circuits are are powered and running on the generator. Mm-hmm. Um, because in some cases, like it's, you know, initially, so I lost power at 11 PM. Um, and it was supposed to be restored by 3 AM that got pushed to 8 AM, which got pushed to noon the following day. And ultimately the power didn't come back on until 8 PM. And so from about 10 AM to 8 PM temperatures were um, you know, between 90 and 105 degrees, essentially yeah. that whole day without power. And so thankfully all the herps, you know, were fine in the sheds. The buildings got pretty warm, but, um, the herps were fine. And I ended up moving my eggs in all my, in my incubator to 
um, to my house. So I, I go around <laughs> um, and I have temp guns all, all over the place in my house, basically to find, okay, like where's the, where are the different kind of temperature zones? Mm-hmm. And it's roughly when, when it's a hundred outside, it's roughly 80 degrees underneath my sink <laughs> in oh, my kitchen man. on the, on the North wall of my house. So that's where I piled all the eggs and the yeah. egg boxes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. hopefully they'll do They'll do fine through that. I think that they got a little bit warmer than they're used to, but I'm sure it's nothing beyond what they can handle. But, um, any, I guess any, anyway, this is all just to say that like, yeah, similarly, I have, I have a document as well for like, um, preparedness in the event of like fire and, and like evacuation, all of that stuff. But on top of that, I think that there's so much that goes into just considering if you are building out a structure or, you know, building out a reptile room, um, considering things like aspect and like, is, is this a room that's on the South side of the house, you know, which for those of us here in the Northern hemisphere is going to get warmer throughout the day than a room on the North side of the house, which will stay cooler throughout the day, just because of the sun exposure, things Mm -hmm. like that are good to pay attention to. And they're easy to overlook, but, um, that's all stuff that I've been really thinking about a lot. And, um, you know, thankfully, even though I don't have everything, um, you know, complete here in terms of my setup, you know, like I said, I still want to insulate the exteriors of the sheds and, um, and get my transfer switch hooked up. Um, I had enough in place up to this point to keep all the animals safe through this, this outage and triple digit heat. Um, and I feel really, you know, fortunate that it wasn't, um, that it wasn't more extreme. Cause that's like, for me, you know, power outages and like on a, on a day like this or a week like this, where every day is getting up above triple digits is my biggest concern. You know, that's like the nightmare scenario for me. Um, and you know, the other thing I think to consider in all of this is like really paying attention to, to what species we're keeping in the climates that we live in, you know, because thankfully I don't have anything that can't tolerate those kinds of temperatures for, for at least for short periods of time. You know, um, a lot of the stuff I have is happy in those kinds of temperatures all the time. Yeah. Um, but not everything. And, um, you know, yesterday I would have been in a, I would have been having a panic attack if I had a room full of a bronia. Oh yeah. Oh you know, man. Sri Lanka and agamids, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and the reason why I don't have some of these species, which otherwise I love and I find really fascinating is because of that is because I know that like, okay, at least at this stage, I don't have the necessary systems in place to ensure that those animals would be safe all the time. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's just something to, something to keep in mind. Dude, even, even, even Euros, like Euromastics, Chuckwallas, all the desert stuff that I have here, they're all heat lovers. Right. But, but even, even here, when it gets up over 95 here, man, not I have a swamp cooler that I run for starters. Yeah. But but then when I have to go, you know, be at my academy or go go away or whatever it is I have to do for the day, 
not only is that swamp cooler on, but I go through the baby room and I cut a ton of heat lamps. I just cut heat lamps. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll turn, I'll turn 50 to 75% of them off for the day yeah. because, and just run the UV lights and then a handful of the heat, heat bulbs in, in the space yeah. because they just doesn't need to, it does not have to get there. It's not worth it because the risk is too great. If that swamp cooler cuts for whatever reason, then it's yeah. going to bake in this room. And exactly. even, even a Euromastix, a desert loving heat specialist is not going to be able to efficiently escape that heat. And it's really, really dangerous. So by, totally, cut, by, totally. by you know, cutting the heat lamps means that, okay, maybe they're not going to have like a perfect basking zone for four, three, four hours, but they're going to have an ambient temperature of 95 degrees inside space. And they're going to be happy as yeah. clams. The babies don't care. They still come out. They still eat. They still rip. They still shit. They do their whole thing, you know? Oh yeah. And it's, it's much, 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 much safer. And, um, you know, so it's something that I think about here all the time, even, even when we're talking about the specialists, right. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it, it's such a, it's such a, a thing to have to, um, to keep in, in the back of your mind. And I mean, I think, I think this also probably pay, plays in, in some way to when we talk about uh, chaos, right? Like Ron is, we, you know, yeah. we're on St. Pierre and some of all of our other friends and we all talk about it all the time. You know, don't, don't hamstring yourself by thinking, by like buying into this idea, you know, it's okay. This is a totally different thing, but we've all, we've all had this experience where someone says, Oh, my, Euromastix, my bearded dragon, my leopard gecko, whatever. Well, when it in at nighttime, what's he supposed to do for heat at night? He doesn't need mm-hmm. heat at night. It doesn't need it, right? Like it, if as long as your yeah, house yeah. house doesn't drop below 50 degrees, the animal's gonna yeah. be just fine. Like they're just gonna live, they're gonna be to- and most of them would probably tolerate much colder temperatures than that. And they'd be just fine. They'd they'd move on. Totally. They, they wouldn't even blink. They'd just be like, cool. I whim, I'm Wim Hof in it, bro. Like I can, you know, like they're fine. Yeah. yeah. But, but, um, the, the set, the opposite is true too. I've had people when they say, what do you do for heat in the summer? I say, just cut the heat lamps, like just yeah. turn off the heat lamps. It's, and they're like, what, but how's he going to do all the things he needs to do? It's like, dude, I'm not telling you to never have the heat lamp on. I'm saying that yeah. if, you, if you turn you know, if they have basking lights from eight in the morning, until two in the afternoon, and then you cut those heat lamps, it's, it's fine. They're going to be fine. You could give them a whole week of nothing but the UV light running, and they're going to be totally fine because these are animals that are not, not just resilient, but you're giving them some kind of chaos. So like you can, you can kind of balance the desire to keep the temperature manageable in the space. Um, save a little bit of money on power with the fact yeah. that you, that your animals are also probably going to get a little bit of psychological benefit from not having everything perfect and up and running. I mean, it was, I don't remember who it was. It, I I'm, I'm going to imagine it was one of our guests and also probably you were telling me about this too, but I can't quite remember. Mm-hmm. We were talking about um, uh, like the potential fallout from um like our animals were not designed to be at peak operating metabolic rate all the time, constantly, forever. Oh, it's totally right. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. many, and so many of the conditions that under which we keep them 
keeps them constantly running, like revving the engine over and over yep. and over and over. And, and which is why we know that, you know, you got to let them, you got to let them go through their winter cool down, hibernation, brumation, you know, whatever the fuck, oh, yeah. any of that, you've got to let them do it. So that way, you know, you're like doing an oil change on the car. You're like, okay, I'm just going to let them. Yeah. You know, it actively, I mean, it actually influences their lifespan. You know, it's like yeah, it yeah, shortens yeah. the lifespan of an animal. If you keep it at, at literally like, you know, optimal, quote unquote, optimal, um, metabolic function 100 percent of the time i mean it's just yeah. like of a human being you know it's like if you don't it's it's like why it's beneficial you know to do inter- intermittent fasting here and there and like right. actually like you know let your body shift into a different state shift into ketosis and um that has a lot of benefits to to our well-being and i think the same thing kind of applies to our animals and i think this also leads into another another aspect of this kind of conversation around energy and, um, and you already kind of alluded to it, but just is just consumption in general, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that this is something that, um, you know, in our lifetimes is only going to become more and more complicated and fraught because obviously we have, uh, rising energy costs. It's becoming more and more costly to produce, um, to produce energy, you know, um, fossil fuels are, um, a finite resource and, um, they're becoming more expensive and, um, we haven't yet made the transition to more renewable sources of energy mm-hmm. in most of the Western world. And, um, and yet our energy, uh, demand is increasing all the time as the population grows, obviously. And so, um, you know, I think about this a lot in terms of just like, you know, I, I try to be a pretty uh, conscientious consumer um which is uh, even the term itself disgusts me on some level (laughs) (laughs) but um and in many ways i think that like my you know reptile keeping herpetoculture is probably like the the it's it's the most incongruent part of my life in that respect in terms of just like how much i'm using because it does require a lot of energy and it's costly in that regard and um one thing some things that i've been experimenting with both for um, my benefit in terms of costs, in terms of my energy consumption, but also I think it's beneficial to the animals is, um, for one, I'm experimenting with one day a week, cutting the heat lights. Yeah. So there's just a heat light fast for one day of the week. Yeah. Um, you know, just as in, as in nature, they're not going to have access to, um, again, like you said, optimal temperatures, optimal metabolic conditions every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a benefit to doing that. The other thing that I'm doing, I'm I'm experimenting with is, um, with my halogens that I provide for heat for all my animals, all my animals have, have overhead heating and lighting. So they have halogens, LEDs and UV on all my setups. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, I'm experimenting, experimenting with the halogens doing instead of one long, um, period every day that the halogens are on, um, I'm kicking it into two phases, um, two shorter windows of time per day. So I have, um, a morning, um, the, the halogens ramp up, you know, they simulate a sunrise to peak power and they stay at that peak power for a few hours. The animals can have their morning bask. And then they ramp down 
and they turn off and the halogens are off for, um, you know, let's say three hours and, or four hours, and then they kick and then they ramp back up for another three hours. And so it's this biphasic cycle where, um, you know, the animals can, can, um, achieve that optimal basking in the morning and the kind of afternoon, um, which is also, I mean, that tends to mirror uh, a lot of my like, field observations of herps is that they're through the middle of the day at the peak temperatures, they're often hunkered down. It's often too hot, especially where I am. You know, obviously this can vary widely depending on your location and, and the um, conditions, but um, they're, they're often hunkered down in the peak of the day, but very active in the morning and the afternoon into the evening. So I'm experimenting with that as well as another factor of um, chaos in the mix. And um, so far, so good. This has been kind of a recent, um, you know, adaptation that I've made, but um, I I haven't seen any like negative feedback from that so far with the animals. It seems to be working well. See that. Yeah, no, totally. And and the the same thing, I'll I'll do something very, very similar here because, you know, you see a lot of these animals, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether it's the, um, the euros, whether it's the sandfish, whether it's the chuckwallas, whether it's my, um, San Esteban iguana, there, there comes a time of day where they're like, I'm not even bothered. I'm not coming out. I'm not even out. You know, the sandfish sandfish go under the sand and burrow, they do their thing. And, and, and I think this is a great example of where, um, uh, theoretically, uh, uh, the what am i trying to say here the the whole movement of like giving animals as many freedoms as and as many options as possible and like making sure that you're giving animals you're always giving them the option for something this is where this brushes up against that as a concept because it's like okay yeah. i might say they're not out the animals aren't even utilizing the heat source i'm pulling the heat lights i'm going to turn the heat lights off for a few hours well oh but I'm supposed to make sure this animal has the opportunity and the freedom to bask and, and exhibit as many natural behaviors as possible. It's like, well, right. This, right, right, is, right. this is, this is insufficient in my mind. This is not like, this is a, uh, this isn't, I mean, this is a very minor example, but it's in my mind, it's an example, no less of like, it, it, you know, this is a perfect, perfect point to discuss that in some way, you know? And, and obviously I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that, um, any of the folks who are suggesting that we need to be able to give our animals every opportunity to do everything all the time would, I'm not suggesting that any of those individuals would balk at the idea of shutting off the heat lights for a few hours. That's not what I'm saying Mm -hmm. at at all. I'm just saying it's a great example of when another good example was, uh, man, hearkening back to that hilarious meme that Connor made for, of, of Eric craft of that, scaring the shit out of all of his lizards with that bird. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Which by the way is the best meme in the history of the universe. Shout out to Connor. Yeah. Um, So good. But uh, that's a great example of like, you know, in theory, that's a totally negative stimuli. That's like, Oh my God, fuck bird. Ah, bail, freak out, run potentially, potentially slam into cage furnishings, whatever. Mm -hmm. And yet, all of us can wrap our minds around why that might be a really, really good thing to provide for your animal from time to time, you know? Uh, and, 
Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I, I think about all the time here. Um, I've said this for years and it's something that I, I kind of have, maybe I haven't like fleshed out completely in terms of concept, but I really like a pissy, grumpy Euromastics. I don't like a super, yeah, yeah. a super tame, really yeah. relaxed, ready to hang out with you. Like, oh, I want to come out and sit on your hand. That's not my kind of Euro, you know? And, yeah, you, and want some, you want some vim and vigor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want those things to be a little, I want to be a little bit spicy. You know what I mean? Like, I want yeah, those Euros yeah. to be coming out being a little bit like, hey, hey, what are you? You know, like they're trying, they're yeah. like, they're like that angry roided up dude at 24 hour fitness. Who's like, you know, dropping the weights, sc- <laughs> screaming and flexing in the mirror too hard. You know, like I, <laughs> that's, uh, that one that's, hit your, a little, that's your um, ideal model right there. That one hit a little too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, I know, I know we started this about talking about contingency and emergency mm-hmm. preparedness, and maybe we didn't. You know, I think we did a good job of sort of talking about how it uh, relates to our individual circumstances and our lives and stuff. But, you know, I also feel like, um, you know, something else that I wanted to talk about today was um, the interesting, like how this experience of making this show and talking to so many different people has enriched my perspective on, on, on herpeticulture and on what I do. And I mean, I genuinely mean it when I say every single conversation we've had, I feel like I've learned something. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the broader lessons I'm taking from all of this has been, um, you know, this really interesting reminder, um, or not reminder, but like this really interesting steady signal that tells me Dude, there are so many different ways of approaching this and and so many different ways that people are engaging with herpetoculture. I mean, uh, you know, we always talk about all the commonalities and the through lines, like the fact that so yeah. many, so many of us started with dinosaurs as a kid. So many of us were catching, you know, we were the nerds in school, the nerds in class, the, the, the ones who were always doing something a little bit different and kind of getting maybe picked on a little bit for it. Some of us not, you know, mm-hmm. the fact, the fact, um, you know, what is it about reptile, the reptile industry, there's reptile and amphibian hobby that seems to bring in so many like semi shady individuals from time to time. Right. Like, uh, and, and, you know, the, all, all of these weird commonalities, but I think it's also, extra interesting to think about all the fucking insane differences between us like how unique yeah every every single person we've spoken to is and all the ways in which their experience was so different from mine from yours um the the ways that we came to similar conclusions for different reasons and and then and then simultaneously the way we've come to uh the same conclusions for totally different reasons. Oh, wait, wait, did I do that backwards? I meant, so the fact that some of us have, no, I follow you. Okay. 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 So the, okay. Just making sure that, yeah, uh, just for my own sake, the way that some of us has come, have come to the same conclusion for different reasons. And then the way some of us have taken the same rationale and ended up at a totally different conclusion, the same stimuli, but yielded a different conclusion, you know? Um, And, and I think that that's, uh, I think that gives like a real vibrancy 
um, to, to this world and to what we do, um, and, and a real, um, a richness, uh, yeah. in, in the experience. And then one more thing too, before I slow my ramble down is, um, you know, it's also really cool. I feel like we owe a really great debt to um, sort of like the advent of the internet and social media. Like as much as I hate social media, like with a, with a fiery passion, the reality is I, I'm not sure we'd have the same sort of growth and mm-hmm. development and change in our industry right now, if it wasn't for the advent of the internet and social media. And yeah. the, the, the fact that you and I can connect with Camille over in the Netherlands and have a whole conversation with him about Euromastics and be like, how the hell do you do this shit, man? You know, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally, man. I mean, I don't know, kind of like, well, well, first, like to respond to what you had said before that kind of shifted um, there, which is like regarding um, the potential like drawback to like what I'm describing of this, like, you know, lack of a basking day and this kind of biphasic basking cycle is right. the, like the deprivation of choice. You know, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. there's like, you're, you're, you're reducing a little bit of choice there. And I think that that's true. And like, typically, you know, that's, that's something I think about a lot um, with my herbs is, is choice, you know, like most of the interaction I have with them and unless I absolutely need to is choice based. Like I'm not, you know, taking stuff out and holding it if it doesn't want to be held stuff like that. But, um, but I think that like, and this ties back to what you're speaking to is that so much of, um, so much of what has been affirmed for me in, in our conversations on this podcast is just like embracing complexity as, as, a, um, revitalizing force, you know, like chaos complexity as you know ron ron would say chaos i might say complexity i think that we're talking about basically the same the same thing you know um Mm -hmm. and i think that um just for me personally like that's something in my life that i feel is like an affirmation that i'm on the right path is if i'm is if i'm um is if i'm showing enough resilience in myself in, in the structure of my life to embrace more and more complexity and mm. to, um, to be more and more adaptable and malleable to change. Mm. And I think that that's just, that's just an important thing to cultivate. And it's not, it's not exactly, you know, something that we directly inherit from the overculture that we're living in, you know, in, in, in society. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's like for me that is is a real indicator that like we're on the right track, you know, with this podcast that we're continuing to have conversations that are um generating more complexity and making us think more and making us question more what we're doing um and um I like I'm grateful to have guests that challenge my perspective on things regularly you know, and, um, and that we can have like this generative discourse with, with people that we look up to and admire within this field and this discipline that we love so much. And, um, yeah, I just want that to continue. I want to continue to, to, um, 
view herpetoculture more and more as just this kind of like ultimately unknowable, <laughs> unquantifiable endeavor, which it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, there, there is just so much at play. And I think that again, that in a lot of ways that speaks to just the actual true state of, of the universe, you know, the true state of <laughs> yeah, nature yeah. is that yeah. there are very few, uh, there are very few black and whites and hard and fast rules all the time. Right. And so um, it's, it's, it's a good thing when, when the conversations that we're having and the thoughts that we're thinking are reminding us of, of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that, man. I really couldn't. Um, well, listen, uh, I think uh, given this is one of our only, we've only done what, maybe two other solo shows other than this one. Yep. Yeah. Right. The first episode and one other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So two others. So this would be our third solo show. And I think, um, yeah. I think normally we could probably go on it at great length from here. Uh, but I think it might be worth, but uh, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. They're kind of sick of it. They're kind of tired of hearing you and hearing my bullshit, uh, just rambling on about, <laughs> I don't really know if that's the right way to do it. Blah. But, <laughs> but I think, um, Given given that we have a, a, a one mild scheduling constraint uh, on our time this yeah. morning, and um, I think yeah. I'm actually quite satisfied with the the track that conversation took, and I think uh, yeah, uh, yeah, me too, man. So I think maybe um, maybe now's the time to to kind of call it um, before we before we sign off. I also just want to say that uh, I appreciate all of the time and effort that you put into this. I really appreciate Thanks, man. Any, anybody who even bothers to spend time listening to us ramble on about lizards and snakes and frogs and bullshit. Um, and I think, uh, I think we should set a goal for ourselves here um, on uh, uh, at this particular solo show. I think we need to make an effort to um, get on the next handful of guests that we should reach out to, to try to bring onto the show should be amphibian specialists. Yes. I don't think yes, we've had enough amphibian specialists on here. So you good with that? That's true. And I have, there's, I'm so good with that. And there's a few people that immediately spring to mind already. So let's do it. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Hell cool, yeah. Cool. Let's do it. So this is episode 47. So we, we got to plan something nice and fancy for the 50. Okay. I love it. Done All deal. Right. And yeah, I want to just echo the, the gratitude too. just the gratitude for you. You know, this is like such an awesome collaboration and partnership that we have here. And I appreciate you, appreciate you a lot. And um, yeah, and appreciate all of our listeners and supporters, those those who have subscribed on Patreon, those who just like reach out and say, um, hey, enjoy this episode or hey, yeah. like, you know, this episode made, made me think this, like um, that kind of engagement is always welcome. It's always appreciated. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just thanks. Thanks for the encouragement to keep doing this and, um, may continue in a good way. Hell yeah. Hell. So, freaking yeah. all right. Thanks all right. everybody with that. I'm going to hit the button. Thanks y'all.